Okay. <laughs> Alright. We're gonna get started. Whoa! People are jumping around. It's still worshiping. Yeah. No, it's not. As far as we can tell, he's being well behaved, wherever he is. Does anyone want more coffee? If I make more coffee, will people drink it? Sure. Okay, guys. <laughs> Why'd you leave me? You were so close, and now you're so far. He moved away. Okay. We don't talk. Yeah, so far. <laughs> I mean, probably. Alright, I'm gonna right. turn this way, not right. yet. <laughs> Unmarried couples to the front. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, you all you are a very nice looking group tonight, but none of you are not as nice looking as Ryan Tillery. He gets right best dressed yeah. award. So, <laughs> best dressed award. I'm a, I'm a, um, not that we're okay. judging everybody. <laughs> You're all beautiful. Especially my wife. Aww. Anyways. Um <clears throat> <laughs> you couldn't let me receive one? <coughs> it's all good. Um, in case you guys had not heard, uh, tonight we are talking about boundaries within pre-marriage relationships. So dun, that, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <clears throat> So that applies to dating relationships, it applies to uh, engaged relationships, and I don't want all of you... <laughs> Your voice, babe. My voice is my voice is hanging on. Bear with me. <laughs> I don't want all of you uh, <clears throat> married individuals in the room to tune out because still good. there's a lot of really good stuff in here, and uh, just just Savannah and I going through the process of like compiling all this together. I think we got a lot out of it. So many light bulbs. <laughs> so many light bulbs, like just illuminated, <clears throat> and so. Uh, you know, just because you're married, don't don't turn off don't turn off the you know the listening ears and stuff. Um, so I think this is really this is really going to be good. So or even if you're not dating. yeah, or even if you're not dating anybody or aren't even interested in that, there's still a lot of really good stuff in here about us and our relationship with God and our standing yeah. with Him. So um, I'm really excited about what God's going to do. So. Um, Savannah, would you like to open us in prayer? Sure. That would be wonderful. Daddy, I just thank you so much for who you are and for how you have just made it plain in your word, how we're supposed to be living out our daily life. I just thank you so much for every single person that's here. And I just pray that you would lead Matt and I um, in what we're supposed to say, what we're not supposed to say, so that we can just be your conduits and your mouthpieces tonight. Um, I just pray against any sorts of um, accusation that the enemy might bring, um, any sorts of, um, any evil spirits that would try to come in between what we're trying to say. I just silence them right now, and you have no, you have no right to say anything. And I just um, speak peace over the room. Amen. Amen. And that my husband's Amen. voice will work. Yes. Amen. 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 Um, <clears throat> so, you have a question? Is that supposed to be on the floor? The yeah, microphone is here. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was on there. No. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't so have any tech. room yeah. right here, so the floor is the next best place. Um, <laughs> thank you for your concern, though. <laughs> we should promote you to, like, IT. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, yeah. Okay, guys, so tonight, getting into boundaries and pre-marriage relationships. When Savannah and I were getting into, like, just bouncing ideas back and forth about what we thought God was leading us to teach, we really, like, came to the conclusion that, man, we could probably write a whole book on, like, just dating relationships and all of, all of like, the purpose and, and just everything that goes into it. But Dating and stuff. Yeah, dating and stuff. That would be the title, probably. Um, we should do that. We should do that. <laughs> you would buy that? We have one customer. All right. That's all we need. Get rid of all the Joshua Harris books. <laughs> I actually really like that. Sounds good to me. Anyway. Sounds good to me. But um, for the purposes of this teaching... We tried to keep it short. We, yeah, we really tried to keep it short. And so uh, there are three specific things or areas that we really want to focus on tonight uh, within the... Within under the umbrella of like boundaries, okay, and pre-marriage relationships. So, do you want to kind of share what those three things yeah, are? Yeah. So we thought um, <clears throat> the three main areas that boundaries need to be established in any sort of dating relationship or engaged relationship or fiance kind of relationship um, is number one the physical boundaries, number two emotional boundaries, and number three spiritual boundaries. So we think those three um, really work together um, to create a strong marriage after the fact. But you have to be pretty diligent in them. And I think physical is the easiest one to think of, but emotional and spiritual are equally as important. Yeah. And so I kind of want to just get you guys uh, thinking about this from the same lens that we're going to be talking about it from. And so when we're talking about either physical, emotional, or spiritual boundaries, the lens that we're looking at it through is that all boundaries in pre-marriage relationships are necessary because the purpose of dating relationships is to set you up properly for the covenant of marriage, right? So when you go into looking at pre-marriage relationships, well, it's called pre-marriage, right? You're not married yet, but you're intending on that. And so that's the lens that we're, we're, we're looking at. Everything in here is about setting us up properly to to come into that covenant as as pure and unblemished and as like ready spiritually ready as possible right because that that's that's the ideal thing is to enter into that marriage covenant primed to succeed in it okay and so that's that's like the the lens that we're looking at everything through um, <clears throat> so. Just to get started, you guys want to turn your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Anybody need a Bible? Anybody need a Bible? Bible? Yeah, we got Bibles over here. Bible. Mine? Oh, no, thank you. Okay. So, verse 22 through 33. Yeah, does anybody want to read that for us? Any volunteers? Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. I'll do it. It's all section. Ron wants you to do it. Yeah, you got, uh, it. You got 12 <laughs> verses. I like it. It's a good set. It is a good, good set. set. Uh, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, and of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Alright, thank you, Ron. There's a lot of good stuff in there about marriage and about uh, just <clears throat> proper uh, biblical uh godly order in just marriage relationships and stuff like that. We don't want to focus too much on marriage tonight because next week, maybe even the next two weeks, Ron's going to be giving a long, long good teaching on uh, covenant of marriage. So we just kind of want to focus on how this relates to us when we are preparing ourselves for marriage, okay, and the relationships that we are in. in preparation for that. So if you guys want to look closely at verses 25 through 27, this is, this is the, the section that I really want to highlight here and that I think that um, it is really important. Can I reread it? Yeah, Savannah, go ahead and reread that. It's... Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Yeah. <clears throat> so. I love it. Yeah, it's really good. So, in this section of verses, there's, you, you got, <clears throat> I want you guys to understand the concept, if you don't already understand it, that uh, there's, there's a concept in scripture that basically says that as the church, as the church body, we are the bride of Christ. That is who we are. And he Christ is our bridegroom. And so by, by looking at what that relationship is like in Scripture, we can get a lot of clues and a lot of keys about um, what God desires actual like marriage relationships between us should look like because Christ is our model. So Christ is the model husband, right, in, in that relationship between um, he, he and his church, he and his bride. Um, and so there's, there's this really cool idea in this, this little section of scripture uh, that Christ is desiring to sanctify and cleanse his bride by the washing of the water of the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, a glorious bride, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blemish. So it's, it's this idea that Christ desires his bride when he comes back to, to claim her to be without spot and without blemish. Okay? And so that's a really good indication and a really good key that God desires for us when we, when we go to enter into our marriage relationship that he would desire us to be without spot and without blemish for our future spouse. 
right? And so, yeah. That, and it's, the, and it's really the promise cool. is it's for himself. Yeah. I think that's what's so cool is like the husbands are going to love their own their own wives as themselves and present them blameless and holy to themselves. Yeah. So it's just like that amazing thing of like because of this love, I'm going to help you be clean because then I get to receive you being clean. Mm. And then the wife is so cared for and safe and taken care of and clean. And it's just like such a wonderful promise. Yeah, it really is. So um, something that you guys will probably hear a lot, a lot, if you ever do like pre-marriage counseling or just talk to anybody about marriage really, (laughs) uh, is, is just this idea that the person you are Going into marriage with all of your, you know, past hurts, past traumas, you know, all of your, your, you know, sin issues and struggles, all of your baggage, all of that goes with you into marriage. It, it comes along with you. The, the person that you were right before the time you got married is the same person you are when, when you're married. You have to understand that. And the only thing that changes in marriage is you become one flesh with another person. So now all of my faults and my issues and my burdens and my faults, I probably said faults twice, all of my baggage are, is now Savannah's baggage, right? And so the, the, the whole purpose of, of like the process of sanctification that we participate in in our relationships prior to marriage is to get rid of as much as of that stuff as possible so that we can present ourselves to our spouse as holy and clean and without blemish. Okay. So that, that's like, that's really the lens that, that we're, we're looking at all of these things through. And that's really the reason that boundaries are necessary. Okay. So yeah, that's that. So um, let, let's get into just, let's just jump in. Let's talk about physical boundaries, okay? Number I'm sure, one. Number one. I'm sure, this, this is, this is uh, the one that probably a lot of you guys heard teachings on in like youth group and, and high school and stuff. Purity sessions. Yeah, purity <laughs> sessions. And I don't know. All of, the, all of the silly like cliched, cool. cliched things that the youth pastor would say about all this kind of stuff. I, I, I want you guys to not like turn off your brains because... The word has actual, like, good stuff to say about it, okay? It's not like, it doesn't have to be like these stupid cliches and we're just like, oh yeah, God God says not to do this, so I'm not supposed to do this. No, God has reasons, okay? There are good, solid reasons that he wants us to remain pure and without blemish going into marriage. And so, I hope this teaching will convince (laughs) you of that. Um, So... I once got told to save my shoulders for my husband because I had a tank top on. It was probably like the funniest thing I had. I didn't know they were that much of an issue. But yeah. Okay. That's totally my favorite. Anyway, I had to lighten it up right before we got into yeah, no. some heavier stuff. Uh, yeah, so that is, that, is, that, is, that is a good thing to... Uh, to preface this with is that uh, some of this stuff that we're going to be talking about in relation to physical boundaries as well as the emotional boundaries, it's it's like some heavy stuff and it, it doesn't feel good to hear it, okay? But I, I want you guys to know that God's heart for you is, is that He loves you beyond anything that you have done in the past or are currently involved in now, okay? He loves you beyond that and He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be 
healthy in your emotions and in your relationships, okay? And so we just want to give you what the Word says to help you do that, okay? He loves you so much, and none of this is meant to be condemning. And I think it's our hearts as, like, even a leadership team that we want everyone to prosper in their any relationships that they have, especially their marriage relationships, especially those relationships that are going in that way. And so even though some of these scriptures might be hard and some of these things that we're going to see, it's going to be tough. Um, even when we're like, should we share it? And we're like, well, it's the word, so we kind of have to. Yeah. You know, our heart is that with sometimes with God, with limitations and these kinds of like commandments, it's for our good. It's for us to be like blessed and prospering. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. Disclaimer. So, uh, if you guys want to turn your Bibles to First Corinthians six, uh, we're going to be reading verses twelve through twenty. First, you already <laughs> I feel like you're just going to be using these next week. <coughs> I have other things. <laughs> That's good. Maybe the week after. There you go. There you go. Does someone want to read verses 12 through 20? Volunteers? I'll do it. Thank you, Chelsea. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ, and make them the members of an inherit? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Thank you, Chelsea. <clears throat> um, so, there's a lot of stuff in here, and it would take a long time to unpack <laughs> all of it. Uh, but I think, I think the biggest thing in here that we want to convey to you guys is that um, in any relationship that you have, you know, romantic relationship, that has the potential to involve, like, physical things, the physical expression of love, let's put it that way. Uh, any relationship outside of the covenant of marriage, there's this concept in here that unless you are married to someone, your body belongs to Christ, okay? You are part of the members of the body of Christ. And so the other person in that, that, in that non-marriage relationship with you has no legal right to your body and you do not have a legal right to give it to them okay it, it's in here you know verse 17, verse 17. Uh, actually let, let's yeah verse 17 it says but he who is joined to the lord is one spirit with him flee sexual immorality Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. 
Um, so there, there is this idea that that our body belongs to God and that we are we are to be one with Him because He is our bridegroom and we unless we are unless we are married in a in a you know human type marriage relationship we're married to Him okay we are His betrothed and so uh, the next thing that we want to say about that is is in verses. Uh, 15 through 16. And this is this is one of those really hard truths. Uh, so, Samantha, would you reread verse 15 Why and 16 not? for me? Um, know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know you not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, he says, shall be one flesh. But... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> All right, guys, so... We talked a lot about this. <laughs> we did. Uh, so hang with me here. <clears throat> if you don't know what a harlot is, a harlot is a prostitute or a whore, okay? So that's what it's referencing here. And when you look up, when you look up the, the Greek word that's used, it literally means um, someone who commits sexual immorality for their own gain or to satisfy their own lust. Okay? And so that's what we're talking about. With that being said, if in a pre-marriage relationship we commit sexual immorality to the point of, you know, sexual intercourse, then we are rendering our significant other a harlot. Mm. Okay, we are rendering them a harlot. Not only that, but we, as members of the body of Christ, are joining Christ to that harlot. You're the person that you are in that relationship with. And vice versa. And vice versa. Not only are you rendering your significant other a harlot, but you are rendering yourself a harlot. Because the other person is... Is the, is the bride of Christ as well. And you are joining their body to someone that they don't belong to. So you are joining the members of Christ to a harlot. And in this scenario, that harlot is you. Yeah. That's like, it's a brutal truth. Yeah. It's a brutal truth. And it like literally hurts me to say it because I know that there are like, there are so many so many people that have just made mistakes that are are not part of like who they are and are not like out of their heart and it's just like the enemy come coming into their lives and like causing them to to do things that are are not them and it, it's causing people to play a harlot and without I mean, knowing without knowing it and it's it's just it's so it's so, such an evil thing for Satan to do. It, it really is. And so our heart is to help for, for those of you that like have had that experience in the past of like, you know, engaging in sex outside of marriage or before a marriage relationship. God wants to redeem that part of your life. He really does. And so we're going to talk about that at the end of this teaching. Yeah. But this is like reason number one, draw the line in the sand. 
and we we had to, we had to say this just because some people don't know. Sex prior to marriage is like you draw the line in the sand before that. Yeah. It's like you you can't you can't go there because one you have no right to that person's body. That person's body belongs to Christ. The other person has no right to your body. Your body belongs to him also mm-hmm. until you enter into that covenant with mar- of marriage. Where God has ordained it. Yeah. And, and God that covenant says, is established. Yeah. And God says, hey, I recognize this. I bless this marriage. Go to town. Like, you know. Like, he, and there are so many verses that support like that. God's like, awesome. Yeah. Have that. Have he's, that. He's it. happy have, like, for it. Like Song of Solomon. He's like, happy for literally, it. Literally, it's everywhere. It's <laughs> well, everywhere. Well, the the first one of the first commandments God gave to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. AKA like, get busy. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> it's it's good. It it is such a it's, yeah. It's such a good and beautiful thing when done in the proper time and in the proper context. Yeah. I think proper time is like. Well, when we were researching everything, we were like, there's so many, like, promises from God, like, in the right timing. Yeah. Like, withhold from this, and then there's the right timing. So it's like, for a season, for a time, don't do this. Yeah. But then, then it's fine. Yeah. There's all that, like, blessing that comes from that. Yeah. Dude. One thing that I thought thought of um, when we were discussing this verse, and I'm a super, like, visual person, so, like, visual examples are helpful. Like, when I read the verse and I realized that m- before marriage, I was completely betrothed and completely spoken for of Christ. Like, I, ha- I was not lacking. I was not out of love or not in relationship. Um, it just made sense, it like clicked in my mind because like I'm in full covenant with Matt now that we're married with that timing. And for me to go to him and say, hey, there's another dude I'm talking to. Would you be okay if we spent some one-on-one time together and did some other things? I know we're in relationship right now, but I'm just wanting to hop over to this other person. Like for me, that was like a crazy example in my head of like, the magnitude of this, like the magnitude of the promise that God has given you as his beloved, as his betrothed Mm. is as real as a marriage covenant Mm. in the physical sense. It's more real. It's more real. Yeah. So do we want to, in a sexual manner, cheat on our, our bridegroom who is Christ? Mm. Do we want to commit adultery against him? Dude, heck no. And I, I do not want the person that I, the woman that I love, like prior to marriage and when we were dating, I do not want to be her the object of that. I don't want her to be the object of that adultery. So I hope you guys understand like the gravity of all this stuff. Um, can we move on? I think we're good to move on. Okay. <laughs> so okay. how can you establish boundaries to avoid this scenario? And then I wrote yay in a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> in our notes. Yeah. Um, um, because you can avoid this. Yeah, absolutely. So we have some scriptures. So um, if people want to, we're going to read them in succession. And it's what Ron had already brought up. So if you want to turn to Song of Solomon 2, verse 7. Someone want to go there? Anybody go in there? I can. 
Corinne's got it. Corinne. Um, Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 5. Any takers? Why don't you do that, Ron? Since you like it. And then chapter 8, 4. You want to do that one? I'll do that. Or you can do that one. I can do that one. Okay, I'll do chapter 8, verses 4 through 7. When other people teach, I just, and they start talking about things, my mind is immediately like, oh, this scripture, this scripture, this scripture. Uh, it's such a small little Yeah, section. okay, we're just going to read these in like succession. Ah, so, Karina, <laughs> just read yours, and right when she's done, Ron, just read yours. Which one? Uh, um, so you got. I got it. You got Song of Solomon 3 5. Karina has 2 7. And Savannah's, right, right after Ron's done, Savannah's going to read 8 4 through 7. Yep. yep. Okay. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the hinds of the field, that you do not arouse or awaken my love until she pleases. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up nor awaken my love till he please. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you stir not up nor awake my love until he please. Who is it that comes? comes up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved. I raised you up under the apple tree. There your mother brought you forth. There she brought you forth that bore you. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which has a most vehement flame. Many's waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly content. Contend? Condemned. Yeah. With a T. I don't know why it's called um, So, it, yeah, is your song during yeah, worship? Yeah, isn't it crazy? Crazy, perfect. That was the last one, thank you. We did not like, learn that. That is so cool. It's just like, so ordained. I think it's awesome because it's, it's going to help us like get this point across. Um, so, as Ron said before, uh, you know, there's this concept in the word in, in Song of Solomon, do not awaken love before it is time, right? And it's interesting if, if you look at if you look at the Hebrew word that's used there for love, uh, it has multiple meanings. It can mean love or it can also mean sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Which is well, super interesting. Do not awaken sexual desire before the proper time. Okay, and so this is a really good indication of what it looks like to set boundaries. But there in, you see the proper time. Yeah, the proper time. In every single one of those examples, the proper time. Yeah. Do not awaken love. Do not awaken sexual desire until the proper time. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I, I want to touch on... Uh, this this one in, in Song of Solomon 8, 4 through 7. Savannah's got it again. There's there's some verses there uh, starting in, in verse 6. Can you just read that again? Yeah. Verse 6 through 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which has a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly condemned. Yeah, thank you. So these are, these are the exact uh, lines that are in that psalm 
that are in, you won't relent. And one of the things that was so awesome about the fact that you guys uh, sang that song tonight is in the, in the context of that song, it, it's sung from the perspective of us, of us as the bride of Christ singing to our bridegroom, so right? Good. And it's so beautiful. It's, it's so awesome. That's, that's one of my, will always be one of my favorite worship songs. Um, and it's, it's so cool how the Song of Solomon, uh, this book, really parallels, like really parallels our, our relationship with Christ, with like the relationship of, of two lovers betrothed in marriage. Uh, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. I had this, uh, <laughs> I had, I took this, this class in college called Intro to the Hebrew Bible, and uh, I, I had this professor that was this funny 80-year-old Jewish, Jewish man who was, he was, his name was Dr. Jack Sparrow, which was really funny. Um, he, he was a master. Yeah, but I got it. Yeah, he was a master of ancient languages, so he was he was fluent in both Hebrew and Aramaic, which I thought was so cool. Um, but he was like, the Bible is an anthology. The Bible has everything in it that you could ever want to learn about life, and Song of Solomon is the sexy book. And that would be this little laughing so much. He's like, hit it, just go read it. It's really sexy. And I, we, I was just like laughing so much. He, I think he called me and told me that too. I think I did. I, th- I thought it was so funny. This like short 80-year-old Jewish man just talking about things being sexy. It was so weird. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, <laughs> it was so funny. Um, Ron's just like... <laughs> That appeals to my interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so the the perspective that that this section of scriptures is actually read from, or that it's written from, is not necessarily the perspective that we sang it from, because there is this parallel. Uh, but it it's literally the perspective of a a bride or a you know a betrothed like engaged fiance or, or whatever that that's female um saying these things about her beloved like husband to be okay and there's the, there's this idea of like daughters of zion do not awaken my love do not awaken my sexual desire before it is before it is time why why because love is as strong as death mm-hmm. jealousy as cruel as the grave its flames are flames of fire a most vehement flame many waters cannot quench love nor can floods drown it mm-hmm. if a man give up for love all the wealth of his house it would be utterly despised it's this concept of like once you awaken that sexual desire it overcomes you and you can't stop the effects of it it's like this this Pandora's box type analogy where I'm sure you guys have maybe heard that before. It's like once you open it, you can't close it and it just keeps on coming out, right? And so it, it really is it really is a thing. Like once once you reach the point of like awakening that sexual desire, there's not much you can do to stop it, right? I mean, there really isn't. And so this and, and I, I think I think the the fact that the, the, there's this parallel there between Christ and his church and this amazing love that he wants to have overcoming us, right? That, that, like the way we sang it in the song, that it's, it's just like a love that overcomes us and burns like fire and overtakes us as a flood. Like that's the love that Christ has for us. That's the love that 
he wants to have between us and that intimacy and that relationship. And it's like, if you awaken that type of love with another person before marriage, it will overtake you and ruin you. It will just ruin you. And the other person. And the other person. Because once once that sexual desire is birthed, you can't stop it. You just, you, you can't go there. And, you know, we can, I can share like just a, a personal thing like, um, just give you guys some background. Savannah and I uh, dated for about three and a half years before we got engaged. And then we were engaged for about another six months before we got married. So, yeah. Yeah, nine months or so. So we, we were married. We were, we were dating and engaged for over four years by the time we got married. Uh, the first time that Savannah and I kissed was like nine months into our dating relationship. Mm. So that like that, that that we don't need to go into that story. But that that, <laughs> that that left three years of us having opened the door to a physical relationship that we had to navigate through prior to being married, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a long time to navigate that stuff. Yeah. And so our, our dating relationship just was just a process of like setting physical boundaries and communicating those to each other and then breaking those boundaries and going, you know, farther than we should have gone and then, you know, uh-oh, we did that, let's, let's redraw the lines in the sand, and like, just, it was just, it's just a back and forth. Thankfully, I can say um, that Savannah and I remained pure and, and virgins until our wedding night, which was just, it's a blessing from God. The, I have no idea how I did it, to be honest. Like, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it's, okay, it's, yeah. So, I mean, it's just real. It's a real thing. It was it's, hard. It's so, it's so stupid hard. <laughs> I mean, Sorry. it's real, like, but we, we found, when we found each other, one of the things we both enjoyed and loved about each other is that we were both virgins. Yeah. And we were like, this is important to us. So even well, though we had to yeah. keep redrawing the lines, it, it was it's, just It's like, just that idea of, like... From, from Ephesians 5, like Christ wanting to, to, to give, to have his bride be pure and without blemish yeah. prior to um, taking her. So, it, all of that to say that, like, if, if, if you have, like, crossed those physical boundaries, that's okay. <laughs> if you have wakened, awakened that sexual desire before it's time, it's okay. God can redeem that. Yes. But for right now, let's work on creating those boundaries so that you don't play the harlot again. Right? That they don't get crossed. Yeah, that those boundaries don't get crossed. And so, based on these scriptures, <laughs> here's like the first boundary that we're going to give. And this is, it, it's really, really difficult to define, like, to see clear-cut boundaries for, for physical relationships prior to marriage in the Bible. But I think this one is, like, solidly founded and you... You can, you can bank on this one working, okay? And so, when the word says in Song of Solomon, do not awaken sexual desire before it is time, so before marriage, that concept of, awake, of sexual desire is literally like arousal, okay? You guys know, especially the dudes in here, know what sexual arousal in your body looks like, okay? It's not hard to know. Or is it? Or is it? Right? 
I am sorry. I am sorry that that happened. You perfectly said that. It was not intentional. And then, turning it back to a more serious note, ladies, we know when we what we do turns on the guys. It's not just oh they're just taking over. They're just completely carnal and they're animals and whatever. We know. I knew what I, that if I looked a certain way or, you know, like hugged him a certain way, I know what and it's amazing that I was like oh, he loves me. He thinks I'm beautiful. Like, that's a good thing. But I knew when I was starting to cross that line. You have to be honest with yourself to set those boundaries and the guys have to be honest with themselves. Yeah, and so you have to the whole thing about boundaries is they have to be communicated. Yes. Okay? They don't work unless both people know what the boundaries are and are willing to agree to abide by them. Okay? And so in terms of this boundary, like not doing things that have the potential to lead to sexual arousal, you have to discuss what those things potentially could be. Yeah. Okay? The... You know, it, it's it's the easiest it's the easiest to know when a man is sexually aroused. So that's that's a pretty good place to start. But for you for you for you females in the room, if there's something that gets you sex, if there's something that your boyfriend or fiance does that gets you sexually aroused, tell him what those things are so he can stop doing them. <laughs> okay. Same thing, same thing for for uh, for for the guys guys. If there are things that your girlfriend or your fiance does that get you sexually aroused, tell her what those things are and both of you agree to draw a line in the sand and say, we aren't doing those things anymore. Okay? Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's like watching a movie and cuddling on a couch and then all of a sudden the cuddling is turned to like cuddling laying down and oh, now my, my hands are around her waist and now they're, my hands are like super close to other areas and like, oh, well, there my hands went. How did they get there? Like, we know. Savannah and I have been I married. I just dare you to say that to our like daughter, our future yeah. daughter's yeah. Like, boyfriend. Yeah. Like. Savannah and I have been married for three and a half years almost now. I know how those scenarios work, okay? <laughs> I, I know the progression of things. Like, so you know the progression of things too, okay? Naturally, you know the things that turn you on. So those are the things that have the potential to awaken love before it is time, okay? Can I, can yes, I please do. <laughs> While you guys are discussing these boundaries, um, once the information has been given, like when you do this, it turns me on. That does not give you an excuse to do those to do those things yeah. all the time. Yeah. Do not be manipulative. Yeah. Don't push the limit. Mm. Yeah. The more you push the limit, the worse it gets. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's also an issue of honor. Yeah. Because if I go to Matt and I say, "This is something I struggle with." I'm letting you know these are the things that I specifically struggle with, and then he comes 12 minutes later and does those things that I told him I struggled with. That is him saying, I don't honor you. I don't view you as a person that should be cherished and treasured. I view you as an object for my own desire. Yeah. And that's lost. <laughs> yeah, and that's lost. And that's lost. Yeah, so 
Um, yeah, the, the two the two pretty firm boundaries that that we can find in the word in relation to physical relationships outside of marriage is that one do not awaken do not awaken sexual desire. Okay, just do not allow yourself to become sexually aroused. Okay, when when you're with your significant other outside of marriage, and two. Do not do things with your significant other's body that are for your pleasure. Okay? If even if even if it isn't like a sexual thing, like even even if you're just like hugging them so much because like it, it's for your pleasure and is has nothing to do with you communicating your love to them. It has everything to do with like you receiving the the physicalness of it. That that's another place that, that we would really draw the line and that and that's more than anything is a heart issue yeah. more than anything um, so that, that's just kind of like a side note put in there um, so I, it, it's difficult to set any like scriptural boundaries other than that um, however it is up to you guys in your relationships with each other and in your relationships with God to determine what other boundaries there should be physically, okay? It, it doesn't have to just relate to, to awakening sexual desire and arousal. It can be, you know, maybe maybe kissing doesn't, doesn't you know, cause us to get aroused, but we think we're doing it too much. We think it's, it's getting in the way of something, and it's causing us not to, not to be talking as much as we should because we just... We just kiss instead. Like there's so many other scenarios that you guys could go through and figure out where else there needs to be boundaries. But those are specific to you guys. Okay, they're specific to, to each one of you and each one of your individual relationships, and they involve your convictions given by God and the Holy Spirit to you. Yeah. Okay, and so you have to be honest with yourself about what those things should be, and honest with your significant other about how you feel about those things. And if they don't honor you in that, that's an issue that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. It really is. So just like Ron said, don't push the boundaries because that is not love. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of love. That's like manipulation and taking advantage for your own personal gain and lust. So that's that's that. So uh, let's talk about how to enforce said boundaries. Um, we know that the boundary needs to exist, or the boundaries need to exist, because we don't want to play the harlot, right? Mm. Or we don't want to render our spouse, or not, maybe a, possibly our future spouse, we don't want to render them a harlot, because we want them presented blameless to us when we, when we take them in marriage covenant. So, how do we enforce those boundaries that are necessary? Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Verses 27 through 30. Yeah, 27 through 30. Somebody want to read that? Anybody want to read? Me. Thank you, Joey. Go ahead whenever you're ready. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, 
pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you to be for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Thank you, Joey. Um, so, in terms of enforcing boundaries, there's this, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but there's this, this scriptural idea of if, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's just this idea that the opportunities that you have or that present themselves for you to sin, remove those opportunities, if at all possible, okay? Remove the possibility or the instances that you know provide temptation, okay? And so one of the things that I would highly recommend to people that are, well, this is on a case-by-case basis, but this is something that I would highly recommend because uh, it provides an opportunity for those boundaries to get crossed is try very hard not to be alone together at late at night with no one else around. <laughs> That's like a pretty good pretty good rule to, to abide by, okay? And it's, it's just this idea of like that scenario poses an opportunity for boundaries to get crossed. It poses a possibility for, you know, doing things that cross the line. Okay, the line that you set, even if even if you've both agreed to like, hey, this is the boundary, this is the line, we're not going to do this stuff physically, removing the opportunity helps even more. Okay, it helps even more because there will always be temptations to push the boundaries. There will always be temptations to nudge the line. Okay, and removing the opportunity to do that is the best possible way to ensure that it doesn't happen, right? And I want to mention that this isn't really a legalistic mindset for it. Like this, like do not push those boundaries. It's actually a form of pure love for yourself and for the other person because we've talked about making decisions that will benefit your marriage covenant later on and show that love for the other person of I do not want to make you into the harlot. So because of that love and because of that um, shared goal, we are going to do this out of pure love. We're going to make sure that we're removing ourselves from any possible situations where this could get out of hand. Yeah. And so it's like we are going to make sure and we are going to do everything in our power that by the time, you know, we are, we are ready to enter into the marriage covenant, that we are presenting each other to ourselves pure and without blemish. And it's just removing the opportunities. Um, it's it, because like we've talked about before, sexual sin is the only sin in the word that the, it tells us to flee from. You don't try to fight it. You run from it. You remove the opportunity for it to happen, for it to, you know, manifest itself in your life. Okay, so that's kind of the end of what we wanted to talk about with physical boundaries. Does anybody have any one or two questions before we move on? We are running behind on time significantly. I have a cool question. Okay, I'm going to get to you after because... 
Yeah. Let's just move on. Yeah, we're just going to move on. We don't have time for questions after. Okay, emotional boundaries. We want to talk about uh, codependency. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. We could, we could do a whole teaching on codependency. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is one of the areas that boundaries are necessary. Okay, so I want to play a little game with you guys. Have you guys ever played the game Would You Rather? Yes. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you rather go base jumping or <laughs> cage diving with sharks? Cage diving with sharks. Cage diving. Cage diving. Base jumping is jumping off of like a tall building or a mountain with a parachute. Totally. Totally. Ryan's like, change my answer. Base jumping for sure. I'd rather do shark. I love heights. You love heights? I love heights. You're nuts, dude. I'm about heights, man. You're crazy. No, my favorite, like, no. If I could stand it, I would work with Mr. Barton on the roof. That's crazy. All right. Another one. All right. I've got another would you rather question for you. Would you rather desire to be with your significant other as much as possible so that you can show them how much you love them on a day-to-day basis? Or would you rather desire to be with your significant other as much as possible because you are addicted to them and the way that they make you feel? Option A. Option A, right? Option A is a biblical choice. <laughs> but option B is for those who listen to conviction. They don't realize it. You're great. The, the struggle's real, bro. You're great. I know. The struggle's real. I know. So codependency in relationships normally ends up, you need that person to make up for something that you lack. So when you are not around that person, you feel like incomplete. You feel like you are not a person. And what happens is the enemy comes in to erode strong relationships because he makes two strong individual people, two half people that can't function without the other person. Yeah. So the reason that I asked that would you that would you rather question is that uh, codependency when it manifests in a relationship between two people for one or both of the individuals looks a lot like an addiction. Yeah. It really does. And you know, I know that there have been like pop songs and stuff written about like, oh, I'm addicted to you and stuff, and like it's it's cute and whatever. But it it really isn't. It's <laughs> To, to be addicted to another person is a very, very spiritually and emotionally gross thing. Because in reality, our dependency should solely be God and God alone. And through over time, if we start making another person on the pedestal, we take God out of the equation. We stop going to God. We stop going to Him first. So this person is like the life author of our decisions at this moment. Yeah, and I, I just want to talk about... One more thing, when when physical sexual immorality gets mixed in with codependency, it it's it, that's just a bad time, okay? That's a really bad time. And one of the things one of the things that, that's so interesting about addictions, right? So think about cocaine. 
the reason that people get addicted to, co to cocaine is not because it's a chemical addiction. Cocaine is a psychological addiction. So what cocaine does, the first time a person takes a hit of cocaine, it releases 100% of the dopamine stores in a person's brain. And what dopamine is, is that's the neurotransmitter, that's the feel-good chemical, right? So if you, if you get a dopamine rush, you feel real good, right? That's why people get addicted to cocaine is because the first time they take that hit, they get the most intense pleasure that they have ever felt in their life. And from every day on after that, they, they, will, try be, to they, will, they try to recreate that. Well, what's so interesting about that is another thing that releases dopamine into a person's brain, that feel-good neurotransmitter, is an orgasm. Hmm. Okay? So you can literally become addicted to that feeling of orgasm due to sex, right? Or porn. Or porn, yeah. masturbation. Yeah. And so um, it's that can get mixed in to where you become addicted to a person because of what they do for you sexually. Okay? And the feeling that you get from the from the orgasm, the repeated orgasm. And it's, it's really, really not at all a, a biblical type of relationship. It is not healthy spiritually. It's not healthy emotionally. Um, and really, really shy away from that. Mm -hmm. um, Henry Wright wrote a book on addictions. Mm -hmm. And he taught you, I'm sure you guys know if you read it, but you are addicted because you don't feel loved. Yes. Yep. And the root of yeah. addictions is because you don't feel loved. And yes. that's where that lack comes in. Yeah. 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 So the more love you can put in, the more yep. you can flush out. Yeah. Are you raising your Okay. <laughs> so setting up boundaries. So these are the emotional boundaries that you want to set up to not go into that super high temptation of codependency. Because... Especially when you enter into a new relationship, it's like, oh, it's something shiny. Like, I want to get to know you. I want to, like, spend as much time with you as possible. I want to learn everything there is to know about you. But if we don't set boundaries before we get into that stage, it's so easy to fall into that codependent relationship. Yeah. So one of the first boundaries, um, and then I'm taking over. No, please. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is all you. One of the first boundaries to establish is how much time you're going to spend together. And I am so grateful for, we didn't have a choice how much time we spent together. And I, I view that as God's just mercy and loving kindness towards me because I had a lot of that lack. I had a lot of that unloving where I really was like, I just need to feel accepted, I need to feel loved. And so Matt asked me to be his girlfriend, and then he actually... The week after we started dating, left for a golf trip for that weekend. And in college, we, we met each other halfway through freshman year of college. Yeah. We went to different schools at that time. Um, but he had a full scholarship ride because of golf. So he played college golf at VCU, had done it his whole life. It paid for his school. It's amazing. Amazing opportunity. What that meant was every day he had to play golf. Mm five hours every day, and then every other week, if not more than that, he was gone traveling for a golf trip. Yeah. So someone had just said, hey, I like you, I want to be your boyfriend, but bye, I'm traveling. <laughs> um, 
So at first I struggled so much because I was like, but I want him to spend time with me. I'm supposed to be, we're supposed to be getting to know each other, like things like that. But God showed me that it was okay to be by myself and to work on my own goals and my own dreams. And I think that's amazing because if we had had the opportunity to spend so much time together, I would have developed a codependent relationship and made him like the source of my happiness. Um, and so there were so many days like that we wouldn't see each other. He would play 36 holes of golf in one day and we wouldn't be texting for, you know, a couple of days. You know, maybe he didn't have self-reception because he had T-Mobile and they were horrible. Um, it's just like there were so many circumstances where we did not spend so much time together. So, yes, we dated for three and a half years before we got engaged. But the time that we spent together was probably a lot less than you would think. But what that happened in that is we became extremely intentional about the time that we did spend together. I chose not to mope about the time that I wasn't with him. And I actually had people around me question if I actually loved him Mm -hmm. because I was okay. They were like, well, why are you happy? Why are you jumping around? Why are you just hanging out with your friends when you're not with the person you say you're in a relationship with? I said, because I'm content. Mm -hmm. Because I know that when he comes home, He's gonna, we're gonna hang out and we're gonna, it's gonna be great. It'll be in between classes, it'll be between into responsibilities. But he made a commitment to that before he met me. He was doing what he needed to do, so it was my job to do what I needed to do and to be okay and to be strong. Mm -hmm. And one of the words God kind of gave me a picture was my life. I already had a full chocolate sundae ice cream, like that was my life. Matt was just the cherry on top. So even if I didn't have Matt, even if I didn't have him as an addition to my life, I could be okay because I had the whole Sunday. So he wasn't the Sunday. He was the cherry. And I I told him that several times when we were dating to remind myself of my priorities. So that was an example of you need to make sure if you do not have that, like, we couldn't change our schedules. If you can't change your schedule, it's okay. Yeah. But if you have an open schedule, look at it. Because if you have an open schedule and you're spending every time that you can, there is not, there, there's a firm chance, you know, that you probably have codependency. Mm-hmm. I ask you a question. Are you okay if you don't see your significant mm-hmm. other in three days? Or does the world mm-hmm. end? Two days. One day. Is there conversations, like, completely sprinkled with, it would be so much better if you were here Ooh. with me. I would have so much more fun if you were here with me. Here's a picture. I wish you were here. Those are signs of that codependent lack of, like, I'm not a whole person unless you're here. That's false. That is a lie. Like, God's, the cool thing about God's math is when that two shall become one, it's two complete people becoming one complete person. Yeah. And at this point, once you're married, you know, it's okay to be like, hey, I, I wish you were here. Like, everything. Things would be better if you were here with me because, like, when that person's gone, like, half of your person's not here. Like, <laughs> I'm not complete, but prior to a marriage relationship, you are complete in God and in your relationship with Him, like, on your own. You are complete, and so you don't need that other person to be a, a complete and properly, you know, emotionally functional human being. Yeah. Right? So. So the second boundary to establish is always go to God first. 
because the temptation that I experienced when we were dating was I wanted Matt to be my God. Because he was so wise. He had so much street smarts and like knew everything. And I loved him. So I wanted to go to him. But I realized I wasn't going to God. I wasn't in relationship with God. And that's where that codependency comes in too. You replace God with another person. And then I think lastly, it is just so important for us to communicate with each other that we are in relationship with. You absolutely have to communicate about every boundary you have set. You have to be daily, weekly checking in with each other about every single boundary that you have set. How are you doing? How are we doing? How can we readjust? If you're not in communication, then you're going to just fail. You are, because he can't read my mind. He doesn't know what my triggers are. He knows if I tell him. But if I'm not telling him, and if I'm not daily communicating, how does he know? Yeah. All right. I hope you guys got that. We're going to move on very quickly, because we are over time already. We're going to move on very quickly to talk about spiritual boundaries. So turn back. Turn back to Ephesians, I mean, yeah, Ephesians 5. We're going to look at verse 23, right quick. Just right quick. Right quick. Yeah, right quick. We're all country again. Right quick. Oh, my. <laughs> Your southern comes out every so often. Yes, sometimes it does. Uh, Ephesians 5, 23. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is savior of the body. So, if you are not married as a woman, that means that you are a part of the church and Christ is your head and your covering. If you are married and you are a woman, that means that your husband is your head and your covering. (laughs) Pretty simple. So, that's like pretty clear-cut things that we can draw boundaries for, right? And so... uh, what am I going to say? Uh, do not get to the place where you exchange your significant other for Christ being your covering. That's, that's, just, that's just one of those boundaries that needs to be there prior to marriage. You know, uh, Savannah talked in her the teaching that she did several months ago about uh, issues that we deal with with women in our lives. And she gave this really good example. Do you want to give the totem pole thing? Sure, the totem pole, my cultic example. But it's visual, so it's fun. Um, So totem poles um, are these carvings, um, and they're very intricate, but they have like a hierarchy established. Mm -hmm. And always the head of the totem pole is the god or the deity. And then after that is the like patriarch of the family, and then the mom... And then the kids underneath of it. So God kind of has created marriage to be that way. That I am under Matt's covering when I'm in the marriage covenant. And Matt is under God's covering. When I was not in marriage covenant with Matt, I was still under covering, but only with God. And Matt was in covering, but only with God. I was not his responsibility. Um, And when you're not married with someone... Yeah... When you're not married to someone, I cannot go to Matt if we weren't in marriage covenant and be like, be my covering. 
he's not on the same track. He's not on the same totem pole as me. When you have that two becomes one, then we're in alignment. <coughs> yeah. And that's how, if he's in alignment with God, then I'm in alignment with him. Everything runs so much more smoothly in the household. Yeah. But what a huge temptation for me was, I, I didn't have a strong spiritual covering as an earthly father. And I saw a strong biblical man. And I said, I want him to be my covering. Mm-hmm. And God was like, not right timing. Right. Yeah. He at, And um, we were talking about today, like when you go to someone who you do not have like a covenant with in marriage, and you say, I need you to fight my spiritual battle for me, they actually, the enemy doesn't have to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have any power or authority <coughs> over you in that situation. Yeah. You're covered. Because you're in marriage and betrothed to Jesus, so you're covered. But we want to move coverings before it's time. And that's like where things get really yeah. sticky. You're saying the word covering a lot. Can you just kind of ex- give a brief explanation of what, sure, that, what that means? Sure, yeah. So a spiritual covering is... I've never had to explain it before. So this is really cool that you're putting me on the spot in front of everybody. <laughs> Helping me deal with fear of man, so that's cool. I love it, thank you. I'm stretching like dough, I don't know. Um, so a covering is something that God has put into place so that women feel safe and kids feel safe and husbands feel safe. When you're, it's like shade. Um, not the negative kind, the good kind. So God wants to protect us, and the, how he does that is by appointing us under his covering. And he's like saying, shield, his shield it's a shield of protection. Yeah. And he's established the household to have this, like, double shield. Where women, like I right now in my marriage covenant, am doubly protected. Because I have my husband above me. We are not, I'm not beneath him. He's just stepping in front of me as my protector. And then above him as his protector, he has God the Father. And sometimes husbands can step to the side and leave their wives and kids uncovered. Not protected. And not protected. That happens a lot. And it's really sad, but that's what happens. But sometimes what we do as women is we follow after the husbands and come out of covering as well and out of that protection and then our kids come with us so what happens is if even if our husbands or fathers go to the left or to the right we need to learn how to stay and stay in that covering and protection of God is that a better way of describing it that's awesome so basically in terms of like boundaries and pre-marriage relationships the boundary needs to be like you don't allow that alignment totem pole action to happen. It won't. In, in your, it won't happen, but you don't try to make it happen with your significant other. So as a man, you don't try to bring your girlfriend or your fiance under your spiritual protection and covering. You don't try to do that because you have to allow God to be that for her. And you have to allow her to receive that covering from him. And as a, as you know, the, the female in the relationship, same thing. Like, you don't, you do not try to come underneath the covering of, of your boyfriend or fiance because that is not his place. And if you try to have him protect you spiritually, it don't work. he has no authority over your life yet because you are not in covenant. 
and he will not be able to do anything effective for you spiritually. Okay? Now, you can come alongside each other and encourage each other in spiritual things and, like, grow together in things, and that's awesome. But in terms of, like, the protection and covering that is that is reserved for a marriage relationship because it's either you married to Christ as his bride or you married to your, your spouse. Like, that's the only the only times that that type of covering and protection works. And so, I'm not really, we're, we're not really sure how to, like, exactly what boundaries look like in relation to that, but guys, really, really be cognizant of that fact. I think it's like we talked about in the emotional boundaries. Always, always, always go to God first and let Him be your source. I think what I would just, like, post to the, the females in the group is my temptation when we were dating was to rely on that to fight my battles for me Um, because he was a really good encourager, which doesn't mean that he can't encourage me. But I finally realized I go to him after I've fought the battle and say, can you agree with me? Can you agree that I've battled this out? And here's my triggers that you're aware of, but he couldn't do the battle fighting for me. So when you recognize that you're trying to go to this person and it's, can you pray for me? Can you do this? Can you do this for me? And you haven't gone to God first or you haven't even dealt with it first. That's when you're trying to rely on them to fight your battles on your behalf, which is not a biblical standpoint. Yeah. Do you mind if I add something to the guys? Just All right. So uh, guys, if you're like me and you grew up watching nothing but superheroes, uh, your <laughs> cartoons, and the Power Rangers, the biggest temptation for you is feeling like you need to play the hero. You are not the hero of the story. Jesus is. Mm-hmm. You are the sidekick. You are Robin. You're not Batman. Yeah. Uh, that was something God told me a long time ago and uh, when Kate and I first started dating. And so your job as the boyfriend or the fiancé is not to fight her battles. It is not to save her. Your job is not to save her. It, <laughs> um, it, it is to point her back to the Father. So if she comes to you with a problem, you are not to respond with a solution. You are to respond with, have you prayed about it? Have you talked to God about it yet? After you've talked to God about it, then come back and talk to me. Because if you try to go out of order with that when you're, when you're not married... Um, you end up becoming her idol. You end up becoming her god. You end up yep. becoming her hero. And you were never supposed to be her hero. Not until, <coughs> not until you say I do, and the covenant is cut on the like, you know, yep. in the bridal chamber. Like, <laughs> that is when you get to become her hero. Until then, you are not her hero. Don't try to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. This is maybe like over analytical, but what about um, praying for one another? Oh yeah, pray for one another. Yeah. I would say pray for one another, but like, don't think that... Well, like, I know in your own time, for the, like, for them, yeah. and, but like, say, um, I've probably done everything wrong you can in a dating relationship, so I'm just gonna, that's why I'm just like, thinking about every sure, app. Sure. Um, but, <clears throat> what about when you're physically together in the same room, and like, say he like, prays for you, or you pray for him, I guess my thinking is what emotional thing can form 
prematurely or something, since we're talking about spiritual and emotional and how it all yeah. can, like, weave together, yeah, yeah. I know it's kind of great, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really do think that what Savannah said is is paramount. It's like, if, if that's the first thing that you do when you encounter a situation, uh, maybe that's not healthy, because... Yeah. Maybe you need to deal with your situation with mm-hmm. alongside God first and allow Him to come through for you. Yeah. And if there's an emotional reaction that happens, sometimes we can get addicted to that. Mm-hmm. Of like, I only feel peace when He prays for me. Yeah. Or I only feel okay when yeah. this person touches me and hugs yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that your 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 well being becomes conditional, which mm-hmm. is not. Yeah. the case when God says I'm, it's okay yeah. um, so for me that was a temptation as I realized with those battles and with those prayers I'm like I just need Matt to pray for me and then all will be well and so God challenged me don't even go to him sometimes yeah. rely only on me your prayer is strong enough yeah. that kind of thing yeah. you can stand on your own yeah. and so you know it's, it's awesome to have someone come alongside you in prayer, but mm-hmm. be your own person and have your own relationship right. with God and trust right. Him to be there for you and you alone. Um, okay, I just want to give you guys like an encouragement, a couple encouragements before we close out. Uh, we're done kind of talking about the boundaries, but um, there's this really cool biblical example of what... Uh, you can it, do. It, it's not... By no means do I think this is like the ideal premarital relationship, <laughs> by no means, but there's some cool stuff that we can glean from it. So there's this, this passage in Genesis 29, you guys have, I'm sure, heard it many times about um, Jacob uh, going after his bride-to-be, Rachel, and how he goes to, to Laban, who is his, not his cousin, is his uncle. Uncle, Uncle, yeah. Some sort of relationship. Laban's his uncle. Rachel, Rachel is Laban's daughter. <laughs> Jacob sees Rachel drawing water from a well, and he's like, looks up to God, <laughs> looks up to God, and cries because it's like the most, the most beautiful. Is that how you met me? We're not gonna get it. <laughs> and he's like, who is that? This is this is this is the woman that I want for my wife. And so he goes to Laban. And he's like. You know, they work out this agreement that Jacob will work for Laban for seven years in exchange for Rachel's hand in marriage. Uh, and at the end of that seven years, having done all of that work, Laban is, does one of the biggest jerk moves I've ever, almost ever heard of. And instead of giving Jacob Rachel, he gives him his older daughter Leah instead in marriage. And so... Jacob figures out, figures it out, and the next morning he must have been drunk or something. I, I'm like, how do you, I how was, do you not I know? know. <laughs> he was, if you hear the story, okay. the context he was. Okay. But on, at the same time, legally back then, he couldn't have been mad at Laban because legally he was required to yeah. get rid of his older daughter first. Right. So it's like, what right. a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> anyways, anyways. So upon learning that he got the daughter that was not the one that he wanted, he agreed to work for Laban seven more years in exchange for Rachel's hand in marriage. So dude worked 14 years to get the woman that he wanted. What a man. What a man, dude. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. So I think the thing that we can glean from this story in relation to the stuff that we're talking about today is that Jacob 
did everything in his power to put the work in in order to put himself in a position to be the proper covering when the time came. Okay? Even with setbacks, he still... Even with setbacks, he was diligent and put himself in the proper position to be the husband that he needed to be when the time came. And that's what we want for you guys. That's why we want you to, you know, because a lot of you are in the process of being in relationships right now. That's what we want you guys to work through, is we want you guys to do everything in your power to put yourself in the proper position to set yourself up for success in marriage. And that's what he did. He put in the work, and it takes work. It really, really takes work. And so he got himself in right standing with God so that God could turn around and bless his marriage. Okay? And, you know, we can, we can talk about that for a long time, but that, that's really what, what we, we would hope that you guys would, would come away feeling encouraged by. It's like, put in the work because even if it takes like 14 years, which is crazy, and a lot, I'm sure there's a lot of hardship along the way, like, it's worth it because God will bless you in the end. And it's that same concept that like you are, you are sanctifying your life so that you can present yourself without blemish in, in, in marriage when that time comes. Um, all right. One more thing. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 3, and then we'll be done. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 3. This is, this is kind of a thing for all of those of you who have felt convicted by this teaching. Maybe you feel condemned by this teaching. That is not what we want, we want you to feel. Um, hopeful. We want you to feel hopeful. Um, for all of those of you who have entered into uh, sexual relationships prior to marriage or outside of marriage with other people, with you know people you're in relationships with now, people that you've been in relationships with in the past, you know we don't want all of that baggage to come with you into marriage if we can help, or even past abuse, or even past abuse, or just anything. We don't want that to happen, and so this is for you. This is for you because we want you guys to know what God's heart is when, when he, you know, sees us having played the harlot and when he sees us playing the harlot and rendering our significant other the harlot. Okay, this is, this is his heart for you. So just listen to this. This is Jeremiah chapter 3, 6 through 14. It says, The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also, so it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. Now this is the part I really want you guys to get. Then the Lord said to me, backsliding Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words to the north and say, return backsliding Israel, says the Lord. 
I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God, and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Guys, if you have played the harlot in your relationships prior to marriage, and you have committed adultery against Christ with someone else, he wants you to come back to him. He's saying, I will take you back. It doesn't matter that you have played the harlot. It doesn't matter that you have committed adultery against me. I will take you back. Just acknowledge your wrongdoing and I accept you and I will be merciful and I will pour out a blessing on you and I will call you my bride again. That's amazing. So for you guys in here that have some stuff that you've recognized that you need to repent for and move move away from and walk out of, do it because God says he will take you back from your harlotry. He will take you back and accept you and love you and not even think about that anymore. So, with that being said, we kind of want to do like a repentance prayer. Do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? I can do it. You can do it? I have so much knowledge of yeah. repentance. Yeah. So Savannah, Savannah's just going to kind of say a repentance prayer for, for some of the stuff, for some of the boundaries that we all might have crossed in our premarital relationships. If you guys need to repent for something, just really take this prayer on for yourselves and just like, you know, say, yes, God, amen, this is for me, I repent, like, make it your own, so. And like, going back to that verse that said, like, flee youthful lusts, you flee after you've repented if you've already participated with it. You have to cancel your agreement before you can flee. Because if you're trying to flee something before you've canceled that agreement, you're still on the chain. You're still, And you're not going to get very far. Because your like, path is limited. <laughs> I was thinking about the elephant. But never mind. Um, anyway. All right, let's do it. Daddy, I just thank you so much for this teaching. I just thank you so much for everybody here. And we just thank you so much for the ability to repent and ask forgiveness for when we have fallen short and have participated with junk that's not what you wanted from the foundation of the world. So we just take responsibility right now. and We recognize um, areas of our life that we have participated with the spirit of lust that has um, allowed us to bring fruit of immorality, of going too far, of awakening that sexual desire before the right time, before your proper timing, um, forgiving our hearts too soon when we when it wasn't time, for any other physical boundaries that we knew we crossed. Our hearts know every situation that we played the harlot. You know. And so we just recognize all of that and we take responsibility right now 
And God, in the name of Jesus, we just right now repent for all of our participation with those spirits, those unclean and unloving spirits that produce lust, that produce that way of acting, that produce that going into the sexual immorality, going into having sex before marriage, before the covenant, playing the harlot, breaking, making someone else play the harlot with us, and, and cheating on our true husband, our true bride. Father, we renounce that. We just say we're sorry. We're sorry for any involvement, but we also recognize that it wasn't us to begin with. So we release ourselves from all guilt and shame and condemnation, and we release ourselves from any pain that the heart might be holding, of any um, guilt that's pierced to the soul that would come in and later poison a marriage years down the road. Dad, I just bind up that broken heart right now, that broken expectation of I failed, And we just say, no, that's a lie. Dad, we ask for forgiveness and we receive your forgiveness right now. So in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I bind up all spirits of fornication, all spirits of lust, all spirits that have led to that sexual immorality, all unloving spirits that have led to that codependent relationship, all actions that did not align with the word of God and how premarital relationships should be, and we cast them out into the dry place. They have no other option but to go. Amen. Thank you so much for freedom. Thank you so much for repentance. Thank you so much that from this day forward, we are no longer the harlot, but we are your accepted bride again. That you have given us white clothes, pure as snow. And you're saying, this is the first day of the rest of your life, and let's move forward. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah.